Okay. Good evening, everyone. It is great to see you all. And thank you all for joining for our next our segment of Ner Tamid COVID Heroes. You know, mental health is always a very interesting topic in halacha. For anyone who is familiar with any section of the Talmud, mental health is discussed. Uh, perhaps they use different terminology, but it's there. It's part of our culture. It's something that we've been discussing for millennia. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that certainly over the past couple of years, and maybe the past decade, we've been talking about it from a whole different perspective and uh, coming to appreciate issues of mental health from a new perspective. But I think it would be fair to say that in the past month and a half, really before Pesach, there was this almost a new perspective, like the, the, the curtain was ripped open from on the topic of mental health. And two things happened. You know, the, the Orthodox community in some ways has been a little bit slow on some issues of mental health. And two things happened, I think, that really just blew it wide open. And to me, is really created up, has created an amazing opportunity to discuss mental health in a whole different fashion. The first is that one of the most prominent halachic authorities, uh, one of the most prominent postgim in America is a man by the name of Rav David Cohen. Now, right before Pesach, you may have seen this video that was sent around, uh, put together by Amudim. Um, it was a video where David Cohen was saying that if you have a meeting, let's say you're an Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, maybe some form of a meeting, which is preventative. In other words, you're not about to do something or something's going to happen, but you need these meetings to keep an equilibrium. Rav David Cohen went on the record to say that you can go on a Zoom call on Shabbos and Yom Tif to attend such a meeting. Now, the truth is, many rabbis knew this already. This was not new news, but the fact that it was so widely publicized was, was eye-opening to many. What? You know, no one's, no, one's about to, no one's in an imminent danger, but it's something which is going to lead them down that path. That's okay. It's okay to, to figure out a way to get around, uh, you know, to, to not observe Shabbos and Yom Tov in the regular way we will in order to take part in such a call. That was one thing. The other thing, which really, um, again, was uh, impacted a different community, was Rabbi Willig, who is a major postsake, uh, specifically in the Yeshiva University community, um, went on the record encouraging all rabbis to keep their phones on over Yom Tiv, over Pesach, many people were experiencing extreme loneliness, and it was important, he said, to be available. Now again, um, many rabbis, myself included, have kept their phones on uh, many times when they were anticipating some issue of mental health to come up, but the publicity of this really brought this out. Uh, tomorrow night, when we have our all-night learning, uh, we're going to begin at 8 o'clock, one of the topics we're going to be discussing is mental health, and, and did it change? And, and maybe that things did change. Maybe there has been a slight shift in, in halacha when it comes to mental health, but it's very clear that mental health, our own and others, is much more on our minds tonight due to the incredible stress that we've all experienced on, on a spectrum of levels, but we've all experienced it on a significant level during this time. And so tonight, we have the great opportunity to interview someone on the front line, someone who has been dealing with mental health in our community during this time, who always deals with mental health in our community, but specifically during this time. Uh, she doesn't need much of an introduction. Um, it looks like many Nair Tamid faces over here. Uh, Tikva Womack is one of the most well-loved person in our community due to her incredible warmth. Uh, she is always available to help out in any way, an incredible volunteer. She sits on our very small youth committee, which means that she does a whole lot of work for that. Um, and everyone knows, many of, many of you, I think all of you, I hope, I imagine you all know Tikva. Tikva mentioned to me that someone 
told her, you know, I never knew that you were a therapist, which is cool because, you know, we all have different hats that we wear. And yes, Tikva is a therapist. She is an LCPC, a licensed clinical uh, clinician. And um, we are going to have the incredible opportunity of speaking to you and interviewing tonight, uh, Tikva. So first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay. Great to have you on. And so maybe let's just start, just give us a little bit of context over here. Um, I noticed that you specialize in trauma. Help us out. What exactly, we throw that, there are certain words, and unfortunately many words that relate to mental health that we throw around uh, a little bit perhaps too easily. Um, tell us, what is trauma? Um, tell us maybe a little bit about the, the clientele that you see and what things look like before coronavirus, what are the typical presenting problems that you were dealing with uh, at that time? Yeah. Um, so hi, everybody. It is so good to see everyone's face. Um, I miss you all like so much. Um, and I just want to give a special shout out as, as has been happening to all the, the frontline workers, to all the people who are just um, hanging through this. I do want to give a special shout out to other therapists and social workers and Rebeum and people who are caring for others. There are a lot of us out here that are trying to care for others and also care for ourselves. So just thank you, thank you, and thank you, Reverend Moulton, for um, your work in that. Um, so trauma. So I wanted to I wanted to give like the the definition of trauma. Like if you looked up if, if you looked up what is which trauma overarching, and it is deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Um, as it's defined by Webster and Wikipedia and all those other good places. And I. I actually want to go with that definition, even though if you go to APA, it might tell you if you're more emotionally distressed or um, that it's more so based on maybe what people are more familiar with in the context of mental health, PTSD, depending on how you react to after the event. But I really want people to walk away with when they think about trauma, at least how I see it, um, as being defined as that open and that broad, as anything that is deeply distressing or a disturbing experience. So it could be something as big as a global crisis or something um, as small as the loss of a pet, which is not small, right? And so the reason why that's important is because trauma is really defined by the person who's experiencing it. If they are at distress in that um, event, it's like a breaking of um, your homeostasis, so your way of being, your lifestyle, your way of functioning, your way, you know, you wake up, you get ready for the day, you expect to be able to go through the day and something comes along and throws you off in a way that you're not able to gain ground, um, that, that very well could be traumatizing and what some people might know as PTSD is kind of the remnants left from that disturbing, distressing event. Um, so, so before this, right, and I kind of always work with that definition, um, before this, along with specializing in trauma, I also um, specialize or look at trauma through like a cultural context lens. So what that means is based on someone's background or based on someone's um, cultural experience, they, they might define trauma differently, right? Um, and what we know about about trauma processing is a lot of it has to do with 
coming on the other side of it is the meaning that you associate with it, the meaning making, and your ability to be able to, um, I don't like to throw the word heal around, but your ability to be able to integrate your yourself and your experience alongside of the trauma. And so a lot of times, as, as we know, hopefully, meaning making happens a lot in our culture, right? In our, in our community, um, what, what we do with one another. And so before now, um, what I would do is I would work with people. We would do some trauma processing. I also have a, a background in expressive arts therapy. So sometimes that trauma processing would happen verbally. Sometimes it would happen through art or movement, through Santray. And um, we, would, we would go through, I have different models that I work through depending on the person. And we would go through what I call the meaning making process of what it was like to experience, it, experience that trauma. And then how do they want to make, make meaning of it and integrate themselves um, with their new perspective or, or their new experience. Um, and, and in terms of people that I work with, I work with children, adolescents, family couples, um, a wide range of ages, um, but with, with that specific lens um, of, of trauma when it does arise. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that context. So, so help. So now that we understand a little bit of what you do and the type of people that you see, have you been able, you know, most of us have been sheltering in place more or less, uh, but when you think of people who are essential, you know, I, you know, speaking to so many people, I, I need to speak to my, my therapist, and have you, I'm, I'm going to assume the answer is yes, but in what way have you been able to interact with your clients? What did that look like during this time? Yeah. So, um, I have been meeting with my clients. I'm working full time, um, and that that schedule is a little wonky, but I'm making it work. And uh, I'm meeting with them on Zoom. And those that can access Zoom, those that can't, I'm doing phone calls. But most of my clients have been able to meet via Zoom. And I, I'm I'm doing more verbal processing than I would do some of the different art forms that I use in therapy. But we are able to do different art forms, such as bibliotherapy, um, is a, a easier one that I could do, or even some art therapy, technological art therapy, whatever you want to phrase that as. Um, and so. One, I want to make a connection to what I said about trauma before. I think that has has shifted a little bit in the work that I'm doing is usually, um, and it's funny, well, not funny, but I kept bringing up to my colleagues, like there's this, a lot of the trauma work that's out there in terms of um, research and technique is based in again, post-traumatic stress disorder. So what do you do after the trauma? There are certain uh, people who are trained in active trauma, um, but it's what we call first-aid trauma, but it is, um, it's a very small niche. And this was a conversation that I was having with my supervisor and my colleagues about there are people who are in active trauma, right? And we really need to be aware of the the, what, how you would approach it is going to be different than someone who has already experienced the trauma and then coming to see you. And the reason why I want to connect it to what I was saying before and what I'm doing now is we're in active trauma, 
<laughs> this is a deeply distressing and disturbing event. And so we're still in it. And so what I find um, myself doing is we, we can't quite be at the meaning making stage with some of my clients, though some of us are, um, you know, doing that work. But it shifts because one day, even one hour is different than the next. And so what is, you know, we're really kind of in first aid trauma treatment and um, that that looks different. That's more crisis intervention. That's more coping skills. That's more um you know, kind of telling yourself what you what you need to do just to get to the next moment um, because you're going, it's almost like swimming, right? You're going to have to, like, take that deep breath because you're going right into the next stroke um, as you're coming against the waves. And right. so it, it, it's shifting a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard from a number of therapists that in some ways they're they're waiting cautiously for when things calm down a little bit because then – People are going to be past survival mode and ready to start processing it. But you're obviously you're dealing with people right now and we all need our hands held right now. We all need some help, some guidance. And so maybe if we could just zoom in a little bit more, you know, you, you have these clients you've been seeing dealing with whatever it is that they're dealing with. Maybe help us understand a little bit. How does that what does that look like when there there's something that already is being processed, is being worked through, and all of a sudden you have a global pandemic that is triggering that is this that is that that is imp so what does that look like f for your clients i guess again broadly speaking uh right. to just help us understand what the, the dynamics there right um yeah so I, I i do find myself reminding my clients um i you know i shared uh them with rabbi milton we were talking about um doing this and it came across like a, the therapy chat that i'm a part of and some of you might have seen it on facebook i don't know but the mem it's like a a boat and a storm and the mem is um we are we're all on different boats but in the same storm right or the size of the boat is different but we're in the same storm and so i, I find myself having to remind my clients that when when they have moments of wait a minute i thought i thought i had this i thought i had grounding i thought i was doing okay that that they they are we're surviving so right that we have to change what doing okay means but also um they're it's going to hit them it's going to hit us in different ways at different times and what we enter into COVID-19 with is also going to affect our perspective when we're in it right so if you had if you had a major health crisis right before you entered into this that's going to affect your perspective while you're in it versus someone who might have been perfectly healthy entering into this, right? And I would have bet their your anxiety level might be a little bit up. You might find yourself um, really as you watch the news. And I mean, that might be all of us, but even more so maybe to somebody who maybe has some experience with some health issues right before this or if you had if you just lost somebody right i have a few clients who we were we were doing grief processing and now we're thrown into this global global grief right we're we're all grieving on some level on some aspect and so what does that mean as you as you're grieving parallel to the rest of the world and what you are either directly or indirectly experiencing and so kind of that um I'm, I'm really, as most therapists are, really big into normalizing and validating that, like, 
when we have, when we feel um, like we're not grounded, when we feel like we're in distress, when we feel like I don't have a handle on things or I don't have a grip on things or this is really throwing me off, that is a normal reaction to something that is abnormal. Again, going back to my earlier definition of trauma, something that is distressing and disturbing, right? And so in a way, like that's that's our body, that's our brains, that, that's, our, that's our emotions telling us something's wrong here. Because there is, there's something that is, that is wrong, and um, and 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 yes, we do have to make peace with it in the moment and survive and cope. But that's going to look different depending on that person's situation, where they are, and how they kind of entered into this. Wow. I don't know if that answered your question. No, no, it does. And I, and I'm as I'm listening to you speak, I'm just trying to imagine myself, you know, dealing with someone's grief, and then now you're dealing, you know, and that's on your shoulders because you care about them, and now you have to incorporate a whole new element of care and concern for them, you know, weighing you down just a little bit more and you are doing Zoom therapy, which sounds crazy to me to begin with, um, but I know it's being done everywhere and it has its own set of challenges. And we all know you have adorable children at home. If I could ask you a slightly personal question, how? Like, what, what, is, what, what does that look like? How do you manage that? I mean, there's so much mental, you know, so, so much mental energy that goes into therapy to begin with and the uniqueness of the therapy during this time and then dealing with a family of kids who, I don't know what Zoom school looks like. I mean, I know what Zoom school looks like for, you know, children that age. Nada. There's nothing. Um, it's, it's a joke. You know, maybe there's a Moro who talks for five minutes on, on a Zoom call. So, so what's the secret? Yeah. Well, I'm very, I'm very fortunate. I, I, I um, you know, I, I will say that my, my school and my moras, they're rocking it. Um, and they're making, they're, they're helping me out, making it, um, making it a little easier for me. And but thank God, Isha, I love Zoom calls. I don't know what I would do if you didn't. That's great. <laughs> but loves to be engaged in that way. Um, but, but it's not, it's not easy. Um, I, I wrote a, I wrote a blog and I started the blog with, um, I'm in front of my waterfall and I have a candle lit and I was writing this blog at like 12 a.m. <laughs> and I had just finished my last client call and I, I said I started off with the blog after a long day of my schedule being therapist from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. and then I stopped being therapist and I'm more a mommy as, as Yisha likes to call me um, more a mommy in between 10 a.m. until um, 5 p.m. and I have a hard stop I'm done being more mommy I just need to be mommy <laughs> at like 5 and just like my kids and get them transitioned to bed um, between five and eight and then um, however long that takes and then I'm back to being therapist again between 9 and 11 p.m. Um, so so it, it, it's a pretty long day and it's taxing this is my first week off since all of this has started I um, took a week off even though I, I, I worked today so it wasn't quite all. <laughs> and you're here talking to us, but thank you. You deserve a break, Tikva. You do. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, so I think you know. I, I, every therapist has their has their own. So what you hope is that by the time you get to this point of being a therapist, is that you have at least some 
aspect of what your coping skills are, what you need to take care of yourself, and that you have a big enough tool bag. And actually, that's not just for therapists. That's for everybody as we're in this long enough, right? Like, the key is, like, how we can grow our tool bag a little bit more just so we can, like, withstand each day. And it's going to look different each day. I have an amazing, supportive um core group of people who love on me who I can ping at any time um and I have um you know my husband's also working but you know just us being in the trenches together is is helpful and you know this is my family so I can tell you guys like I'm not I'm not not 100% every day I'm just not right um and and there's some there's some clients where I get on the call and I'm present with them and I tell them like this, this is where I am and this is what I have today and I'm going to be here with you. All of my clients know some of my first lines when I meet with them is I'm a very transparent therapist and that that's my style that works for me and I think my clients appreciate it, but I give myself the the room, hopefully I try to give myself the room to use my coping skills and and swim through it just like everybody else and on the days that they're harder they're harder wow whoa (laughs) so um along the you you mentioned expanding our toolboxes so let's make this practical for a little bit uh maybe you know especially in our Shul community, one of the, my favorite parts of our Shul community is the incredible diversity of, of demographics, of different ages, different family constructs. Um, so if I could ask you, and whatever you have the time for, and maybe just to jump around a little bit, maybe if you could give us some pointers, you know, like you, I think you said that, that, that what you said earlier about us all being in different boats, um, same storm, but you know, the boats look so different. You know, you speak to some person and they're so incredibly lonely and bored and you speak to other people who would give anything for a moment of boredom and you know they they collapse into bed because they're so exhausted from taking care of little kiddos or whatever it may be so so it's clear that we all have very very different um, struggles right now again broadly speaking but maybe if, if you can using your your expertise maybe if you could teach us some tools on our end and again if, if, if possible maybe to break it down to some broad demographics maybe you know families maybe singles um, elderly people with children you know however you think would be make the most sense to, to break it down um, and I'm sure we could just take skills from from those different subsets yeah um, so and of course we talked earlier about these questions. I, I thought about these questions some more and I um, had some answers formulated before and then I realized like, wait a minute, we're at a different point than we were however many weeks ago. One of my coping skills, by the way, just right off the bat is I don't, I try not to count. So I don't, I don't know where we are. <laughs> I just know this is my new normal, right? And this is, this is where I am. So, um, but we're we're, diff- we're in a different place than we were however many weeks ago. And and whatever you might be feeling going through on any different day, know that you are officially resilient because you are here and you are going through it and you are pushing through, right? And yeah, every day looks different, And but you, you're here and you're pushing through. So um, one of the things I think I'll do more general and then make it more specific, one of the things, just being able to tell yourself that Give yourself some some gratitude from day one. One of the things that I still think is very true is give yourself and give those who you are encountering, whether it's people in your home 
or whether it's people at the grocery store or on the road and notice people are driving a little bit faster and a little bit more impatient, but giving yourself and giving others some grace, right? Um, we, we, none of us have experienced this ever. Um, and so being able to say, I, yeah, I'm struggling, but that person is too. And we're both struggling in this together. If I can let that go, if I can melt that, that might make me feel better. And, and then I can move on to whatever I can focus on, allowing them to deal with whatever they need to deal with, right? Um, whether it be in your own home or as you engage people out and about. Another thing that I think could be helpful for everyone as well is because we're at a different place than we were in the beginning of this, is really starting to work your creativity. So begin to think about, okay, what has been working for me right now so up until this point? What am I getting bored with, right? Like I have, a, I have a few clients where they're like, I've been doing that coping skill for however many weeks this is. I can no longer do that coping skill. Okay, that's fine. Don't, don't judge that. Don't criticize that. Let's see what else, figure out what else you can do to mix things up. That, that's healthy, that's normal, right? So there's a lot of resources out there on Facebook, on Pinterest, um, you know, whatever it is, trying a different coping skill. The bigger your bag is, the more resources that, that you'll have, right? As things start to open up, and I think this is when I'll start to vary it a little bit. As things start to open up, um, you might really be, be itching to like go out there and try new things that are safe. Um, but also, too, if you are above the age of 65 or if you're immunocompromised, that might either A, increase your anxiety more or B, make you feel even more distant because you, you can't do those things that other people are doing. So, you know, what I really encourage you to do is just pay attention to, to that feeling and figure out what it is that would bring you joy that you can do, right? Or, and again, like getting creative. So, you know, no, I know um, there's talks about like uh, a smaller manana, right? For people who meet the criteria, maybe you can't go to that manana, but how can you maybe shake up your davening in a way that feels new and inspiring to you that's halakhically appropriate, right? So, so finding different ways to add that, that newness but also too, that would bring you a little bit of joy. Those, uh, uh, really, it's not small. These things aren't small, they're huge. Um, for families, I think, especially as we go into summer, people are making decision to camp or not to camp. Um, you know, really starting to build up that list of what are things that my family would enjoy um, that either we, that's tried, you know, that's tried and true that we can do on a routinely basis to look forward to something or maybe something new. Um, being a mom, I'm gonna speak to any moms out there I'm, and, and dads or anybody else, I'm really big about doing self-care for you that is also self-care for your whole family. So I love music and so, and I love to dance. Like I love music and dance. So we have dance parties on a regular basis and even though it's for me it's really for my whole family I get everybody involved sometimes people don't want to do the kind of dance I'm doing I'm like that's fine you can go do your own thing usually 10 minutes goes by and because they don't have anything else better to do they're back to where I am 
doing what I'm doing and everybody's having a good time. If you use your your inner, you know, your inner voice, I, I tell people as a therapist, I, I rarely give advice. Uh, you know, as a therapist, you're actually not supposed to give advice. <laughs> and what I what I really like to do is just help people understand that you have your own knowledge deep inside of you if you just like turn up the volume a little bit and help guide people to that um so really staying trying to like tune into that um either turn down the volume on other things or turn up the volume on that and figure out what it is what that you need without judgment right um i think for spouses that going back to that grace piece right and um valuing time with one another but also valuing time apart um you know going for I, I just took a drive all the way out to I'm down 70 and even if you can't like get out the car it's beautiful I'm always I always forget like how many mountains we have going that direction and just to look at the mountains and the landscape it's like whoa okay right like this world is big and beautiful um so just just doing things like that, I think I think I feel like I maybe covered most of the and kids, uh, kids. I, I think the biggest thing that I want to say about kids is that this is back to trauma. This is traumatic for them. This is hard for them. It is hard for for you too, but it's hard for them. And and sometimes they just need to hear that 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 gets said in, in my household at least at least once a week, sometimes several times a week. You know, we we do sometimes social distance visits with with kids um, their same age, and I go, this is hard to see them and not be able to hug them, right? Like this, I know this this looks weird. This this is hard, um, and it allows them some space to be able to recognize their feelings and 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 let them know that you you see them, you feel them, you hear them, and again, finding those fun things that that they can do together. Awesome. Those are those are great. I hope people have pens and papers over here. Uh, I realize I do not, but these are some phenomenal ideas. Uh, especially that last piece, I think is just so important. You know, I think there is a mindset uh, that many had and many still have about shielding children from everything. And these are opportunities to educate children. You know, and they they are watching how we're processing difficult situations, and we're teaching them in the process. Um, my kids have seen me act in ways that they maybe haven't seen before, but dealing with it um, and hopefully in an overall healthy fashion is an incredible education, which they're not going to get anywhere else. And so instead of hiding all those emotions, instead of hiding everything, um, actually in, in inviting them into that a little bit, again, with, within, you know, within reason, I think is an incredible um, educational tool. But I, I love what you mentioned, you know, in terms of, of planning ahead, you know, I think so many people are just trying to, to, to manage the day to day and you know, it, it won't be a surprise if things aren't open this summer. Um, it won't be a surprise if we're stuck home for a lot longer. So uh, perhaps planning a little bit and mixing it up a little bit. You know, so many people I've heard from who have routines 
And sadly, I've heard from many people who have routines who just got bored of their routines and now they're just stuck in their couch. And uh, as my son likes to joke around now, they're making uh, a seum on Netflix. Um, you know, they, they've gone through all of Netflix at this point, you know, moving on to Hulu or something. But, but the point is that, that, you know, you just get stuck. And uh, it's, it's just important to, uh, to be creative, to mix things up a little bit. And, and like, like you're mentioning, you know, do, do some wild things too. But just to really mix it up is just so important because we get bored. We get bored with ourselves, frankly. And it's, it's, it's okay to just open, open new doors. That's, those are all phenomenal, phenomenal points. Thank you. Um, so I want to conclude with asking you a question, which is a very unfair question. Uh, we talked about it very briefly. Um, you know, after I was in my education as a rabbi, you know, one of the things you do is you kind of, um, you do apprenticeship, I guess you could call it. You hang out with people, uh, with rabbis as they deal with different questions. You know, you don't get any names, but you're, you're kind of overhearing perhaps, uh, you know, a question, you know, and uh, where they'll put things on, call on pause and share the question with you. And, and one, and as I was doing this with, with a prominent uh, rabbi, he mentioned to me, um, not from around here actually, but he mentioned to me something interesting that. But um, he felt that the types of questions he got before and after 9-11 were completely different. Now, he dealt with probably a lot of people who are more New York-based, um, but he felt that there was just a shift in the way people think and what people were able to handle this was actually around, it was, it was leading up to Tisha B'Av and, you know, fasting and different restrictions. He said, you know, people's, um, what people are able to handle is just diminished. And again, you know, that could be correlation. It's not necessarily causation. It could be that there's a billion other things that changed around that, that time. Uh, but it was just an interesting observation to me how these, these major events could shift everything. Um, and, and, you know, everyone's talking about these, these big shifts and everyone's also, anyone who's honest is also saying, we have no idea what the impact is going to be. What's the impact going to be on the market? Who knows? What's the impact going to be on this? Who knows? Uh, but we could certainly conjecture at this point. We're seeing some pretty intense emotions. How do you think this will impact things from a mental health perspective uh, going forward? You know, when, God willing, soon this is all done, what do you think the field will look like? What do you think our own mental health, what, what will this look like? And I, it's a very open-ended question, but what do you think things will look like for us from a mental health perspective when the dust or the germs settle? Yeah. Um... So I think that's a really good question, one that I, I've definitely been thinking about. And um, I think on a practical level, like telehealth is here to stay. Like it's not, you know, I think um, whether I was comfortable with it or not or whether other therapists were comfortable with it or not, I think getting comfortable with doing therapy sessions this way. Um, for some people, they're like, no, I want to be in your office. I want to be in a, like, a safe, secure place where it, I know it's just you and I. Um, and for other people, now they can have um, a therapy session in the comfort of their own home, hopefully appropriately dressed, right? So I don't think it's, it's going anywhere. Um, I think on a... On a theory level, I think trauma is, trauma was already beginning to be a buzzword, right? There was, um, there were ACEs, which is uh, adverse childhood experiences. And, and then there was trauma-informed care, both in our education system and our health systems. Um, I think this is the turning point where we're going to see trauma research trauma understanding around it trauma care techniques just really come full to a full bloom because 
in the last hundred years, right, when can you say that there has been a global traumatic experience, right, that that exceeds um, culture, socioeconomics, you know, that really, when you think about that, that's, that's mind blowing that, that we finally have something globally to unite all of us. Right. And it's that whether indirectly or directly, you can't say that you have now not experienced something that totally disrupted your world. And so I think that is going to totally change the face of mental health and how we look and talk about trauma and and hopefully um, how how we deal with it in a way that, you know, one of the things, again, going back to the original definition, there are certain things in our life that are traumatic that just happen, right? Death in itself is traumatic and something that is bound to happen, that we're bound to experience on a level and yet there even after all of these centuries after all of these years there's something that is um still taboo about the pain of talking about it on a global level about about what it means to be in crisis and grief and what it means to to be in that place and 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 sit with that pain um you know we we deal with it differently in a jewish context but on a global level to really look at that and i think that's something that we're really gonna have to to have a conversation about and and face Mm. i think in a healthy way where all of us are now part of it interesting interesting Okay. Oh, whoops. I think I'm muted. Sorry. I was muted. I'm unmuted now. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I didn't ask before if it's okay if we take a question or two from, from people. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So, so I just saw one uh, very interesting question that was, that was, thro- that was uh, thrown to the chat. If anyone wants me to take one more question after this, um, and I might have to pick and choose. I'm sorry ahead of time. Um, feel free to send it just to me if you'd like, or you could send it to everyone. But the first question that, that was that was posed over here um, is something that I'm sure we're all seeing outside of our, our front door, and it's a, it's a, it's it's challenging. You know, we all see people um, dealing with the restrictions in a different way. You know, um, masks, no masks. You know, there there's some pretty high emotions right now, and those will linger. Those will linger. And the question is. How do we, you know, when we are able to actually congregate and come together, you know, I, mean, I don't know if there's a question of forgiveness or looking past those differences, uh, but those aren't a matter, you know, some, these are, these are, you know, you, some, you mentioned cultural differences that sometimes, okay, I have to appreciate another culture over here. No, no, no. Your choices aren't cultural choices. One can make the argument, your choices are impacting me quite severely. Um, so how do we go about that? How, how, how can we go about that when, when, when again, when we're able to congregate, will we be able to congregate? Or will we have, you know, a mask shoal? Is that going to be the new, you know, demographics? There's the mask shoal and there's the no mask shoal. Uh, is that what it's going to look like? And how could we make sure that's not what it looks like? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, as I said earlier about resilience, I, I really... On, on a personal level first, being in a place, even if you, you know, I, I also have to tell myself every day, being in a place of saying, look, I, I got through today, you know, I got through today, I'm here, my kids are safe, my kids are alive, my family's together, I did it, right? And so really getting into that mindset of, we are all resilient, giving ourselves our own praise and not in a like arrogant, boastful, you know, um, ego centered way, but in a true like we are we're truly all in a different place of challenges. 
and telling ourselves we got through it, I think, well, after the fact, we'll be able to sit with a little better whatever decisions we made in that moment with that's what we needed to make to survive. You know, if we if we go like, you know, ages back, centuries back, there there were some things, even in war, let's look at war, there are some things that people have to do in war, right? That's part of actually PTSD sometimes. It's not so much um, all the time what, you know, I, I, I used to work at the VA hospital, and sometimes the vets, it wasn't about what they saw, but it was about what they had to do to survive, right? And being able to make peace with, that's what you had to do to survive to be here and, and, and making peace with that, right? And so that's okay, right? That is okay because now you're here and now you can focus on what you need to do today to be okay, right? So that's where you start to get into, you know, is there a certain mitzvah that you could do that might make you feel better? Is there is there a certain reaching out that you need to do to certain people, certain friends or family members, whatever it is that, again, that meaning-making piece that happens afterwards to make, um, you, to integrate yourself and make things whole, that, that will happen, hopefully, afterwards, right? But today, we're getting through the war, and there are certain things we need to do to survive. And I think when we're able to sit with that in ourselves a little better, we're able to look at others, hopefully, in the same light, right? Like, nobody's saying you have to sign off on it or 100% agree with it, right? Yes, there are some things that people do that, you're right, it's not a cultural piece. It directly impacts you. But there's also a piece, hopefully, that you're able to do when you can do it, give it that grace to yourself of that's what I had to do to survive. And I guess that's what they had to do to survive it too, right? And, 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 and being able to have that open dialogue with them if necessary about you know, how you came to that decision and what that was like for you. There might be something that, that, that perspective that you missed or you weren't able to see on their side, but also vice versa, perspective or something that they miss from you that they weren't able to see because they were in the trenches, right? You can't really see what's happening when you're in the trenches, even with your, even with your other, even with the people who are on your side, right? And so, and so having that, ha having that compassion for self allows the ability to have compassion for for others as well. Mm, wow. Thank you. I, I, I very much appreciate that, that, that paradigm shift, kind of looking at it like a war of actually, I guess personally, shied away from using that, that, that analogy. I've not, like, the, the whole, I don't know. I'm not a big pacifist, but it's just, I don't know, something about it just threw me off. But I think in this context, uh, that's a great analogy. Uh, what immediately comes to mind, and I'm blanking on if it's in the Prime Minister's or one of the, a book about Israeli, about the history of Israel where it describes in the media, I believe it's the Prime Minister's, in the immediate aftermath of the peace treaty between Egypt and Israel, uh, they had this unbelievable ceremony where soldiers, wounded soldiers from both sides, um, severely wounded, came together um, for a ceremony. And, you know, initially it was so incredibly cold and stiff. And then within a few moments, everyone's kind of getting together. There's a certain commonality there. And of course, and these were people who were literally shooting at each other uh, just a short while before. Uh, but we're all, and it's, it's hard for me to say, because I, I do personally get upset at, at people who are doing things which I find to be um, reckless. And I, and I will stand up and speak up if they're doing so. 
at the same time, when it's all done, um, we will need to turn around and be able to say, okay, this is what they were doing at that time to survive. I may disagree vehemently, and I will disagreeably disagree vocally right now if I, I see it. Uh, but in, at least in the aftermath, they'll be able to somehow, hopefully, we'll all hopefully be able to uh, come together and, and recognize that. It's a bit of a, a, a mental dance. Okay, but, but Tikva, I, I wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank all of you for, for, for joining me for this conversation. You know, um, our mental health is, is always important and certainly at a time like this to, to really be thinking about our mental health, whether, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a very taxing time. It's a very, very trying time for all of us and to be taking, you know, that self-care and whether if we could do self-care and if we can't do self-care to, to have others help us in our care is crucial. And it's just heartwarming to know that people like yourself, Tikva, and so many others are somehow finding the time to look out and reach out to their clients during this time is really incredibly heartwarming. So, and not only heartwarming, but inspiring. Uh, we use the word heroes deliberately. Uh, two full-time working parents uh, with young children in the house, it is, it is, it is an incredible feat. And uh, we really, really appreciate what you're doing for, uh, for everyone that you're looking out for. And you're inspiring all of us, you and all the, the mental health professionals. Um, it, it's really it's such an incredibly important job all the time and especially now. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for what you're doing. Hashem should give you lots of strength. And God willing, we'll all be able to start getting into the post section sooner than later so we could start unpacking it and not have to deal with it in the moment. I'm going to unmute everyone and everyone will get a chance to just say hello and say good evening. And again, Tikva, thank you so much. I want to also invite you all tomorrow night, uh, before I unmute you all, sorry, I just remembered. Uh, before tomorrow night, uh, every year I look forward to the last couple of years, bunch of years, we've been doing all night learning at Nertamid. It's my favorite thing, one of my favorite things, 12 o'clock to 5 a.m. Uh, I do a little marathon and it's great and you all keep me up because I can't fall asleep if I'm talking to people. Uh, we will not be doing that this year, I will say. Um, my children are very excited because we're going to be learning for the first time and probably last time ever together. So that's going to be fun. We'll probably make it to 1230. Uh, but anyway, but the point is that uh, it's going to be wonderful and I will miss learning with everyone. So we are doing a pre-Shavuos all-night learning. We're going to be learning from 8 p.m. till approximately 10.30. Uh, you're all invited to join. Uh, it's, uh, I'm calling it, I forgot exactly what I'm calling it, but a rabbi's COVID journal. And I'll be going through some very important uh, halachos, pieces of Jewish law, which were novel, new, that, that only came up during this time, and also some personal reflections from this time. Uh, it was a time of deep introspection for me, and I'll be sharing it, and uh, it'll be a, probably you know, a nice small group. We'll be able to have some candid conversations, uh, so I look forward to seeing you all there. And with that, we're back to Tikva. Tikva, thank you so much. I'm going to mute you and mute everyone. We're going to have a chance to just say thank you to Tikva. Thank you so much, and uh, as always, wonderful to see all of you, and have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you, Tikva. Thank you, Tikva. Thank you.